Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things with data for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team, creating interactive story explorers for Homefront and Peaky Blinders. For the London Philharmonic Orchestra, creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once, he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now, that's the kind of innovation we need for the Village Show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk. That's James at S-H-E-D-C-O-D-E dot co dot U-K. Or you could have a browse of his website, shedcode.co.uk. Do tell him I was looking for him if you see him, won't you? I want him to design me a digital research of stone. My name is Helen Bowden and I'm the director of BBC Radio and today is the last day at the BBC for me after 34 years and I want to share a tune with you that's been important to me since I was about four. This is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality doctor drama that is central in Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the cunning plan, that is Royfield Brown. And with me after the failed three-point turn, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our foil kidnap, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is a repeat, a repeat of last week's in the time on a tradition of the Beeb. It's from the Queen of the BBC. So there you go. Juicy Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. We need some fresh ones in our vault. Now, if somebody wants to send us in a dumpty dum, how can they do that? If you would like to send us a dumpty dum, leave us a plot prediction or render yourself completely unidentifiable to your neighbours, family and international police by simply <laughs> growing a beard in five days, <laughs> ring us on 0203031105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Shed Code for sponsoring us and to Derek for back bedroom. Entirely predictably, Derek mm. was fascinated by Royfield's account of his clonic irrigation, so he decided to have a go himself. Um, he asked Kate about it. Hers <laughs> was 70 quid an hour, so he opted for Bert, taken in by surprise with a garden hose set on pulse. Um, <laughs> it was a, a pl- unpleasant business all round, but one good thing came out of it. We did find out at last where that bloody bunting went. Um, Auntie Cardboard's got it in the hot wash, and it'll be good as new. <laughs> <laughs> this colonic thing. Taken off, isn't it? It has. <laughs> Is, 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 is the right is that the right uh, analogy to use? It take, taken <laughs> well, um, we have gone famous, off with a bag, a yeah, whoosh. Well, yeah, exactly. Gone with a swoosh. Um, we've it's got been a flood, a flood of response to your colonic irrigation. Yeah, or a, maybe a, a, a slurry of uh, response. We've got famous listeners that infamously like a colonic, haven't we? We have. You've mm. only just told me this, and I'm still struggling to cope. Hard Deep Sinkholy, who we mentioned yes! last week, Sorry. not only likes the archers, he likes Dum Dee Dum and a colonic. He's my brother from another mother, I tell you. Now that, that is niche. You like <laughs> and colonic irrigation. <laughs> Bloody hell. Now, there's an ethnic I can definitely get behind. Oh, is there? Should I be saying that? Well, I don't know. Well, whatever. Right. Um, of a colonic, but he would want to be standing behind, I don't Well, reckon. no. He wants to come on the show, Juicy Loose. Who are we to stop him? Exactly, exactly. So, um, mate, he, he wants to come on next week. So, we're, we're going to talk colonics. Yeah. Uh, what else can we talk about? Scottish independence. Oh, wearing a turban and looking utterly dapper. We can talk about that. Uh, yeah. What else? Um. Oh, plot prediction. See if he's better at oh, plot predictions God. than our lot, who are clearly rubbish. Mm. I'm going to try not to drone on about all of that later on in the show but i'm just looking forward to um to chatting to him it'd be really good to have somebody funny on the show shut your face (laughs) on this week's episode we've thrown caution to the wind and laid ourselves open to total anarchy to celebrate the end or is it our ditchy knob any storyline and we've got about a gabillion calls so dan john the seventh and dusty substances who say, what about the safeguarding? Cat Brown, who's laughing in disbelief. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Steve, he's back. Who sings a song. Robert Wilson, who got it wrong. Deb, who says it's Rob's fault. She messed up her eyeliner. Glyn. Oh, I love Glyn. You know, he's a thoroughly decent bloke, Glyn. I know. Oh, Glyn, who says it's the end of Pip and Tobes. Blythe spirit. Here's somebody else I've got us certain regard and liking for well done Blythe Spirit just well done for you being you really cheers now bye no no sorry Blythe Spirit <laughs> who senses repercussions for Tamara mm. uh, Vicky Cole do you know Luce mm. every time I say Vicky Cole I say, oh I love Vicky Cole she never ever ever has recognised that she's not interested Roy she's not interested yeah I've got an offer now move on move on one Victoria Kell and John the First who feel <laughs> let down. Witherspoon, 
who's drawing beards on wanted posters. Claire, good grief. When you said one billion, you weren't joking. I know. Claire, who says Pip's an idiot. Hopalong Horn, who understands Helen. I just got that. Well done. Juliet from Bigrin, who says hurrah for Goddess Diva and not contrary, who's recruited new listeners. But first, before the one billion listeners, it's Juicy Lucy Freeman's Week in Ambridge. actually trying to drive Toby away. If she isn't, she's doing a really good impression of somebody who's completely romantically tone deaf. Let's give the septic tank a good scrub out, then we'll light some scented candles and I'll read Caitlin Moran's latest column out to you while we sign up for a joint tax account. Where are you going, Toby? Anyone remember Norman Collier? Hi, Pip, it's me, Toby. I'm going up to Brighton. I've got to say a... and give it a... And when I get home, you could give me a and I'll tell you a pile of and you'll believe it. Bye. However, when he got back, he found that Pip had waterboarded Rex until he told her about Brighton. He is going there to help Zamo Maguire get over a heroin addiction. Just <laughs> say no, kids. That will only be understood by people who watched British children's television in the 70s, Roland. Susan was setting the shop alight with the gossip about Krusty and Tom. She adopted her usual tactic of withholding Alistair's change until she'd mined him for his opinions. That didn't work, but she cheered up when Tracy appeared. Ten of the usual, said Tracy, extra ribbed. Lillian and Justin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing. <laughs> Good. Lillian and Justin enjoyed a cringy little episode at the Dower House. Just them. A bottle of 10-year-old Dom Perignon and Lillian's new negligee. She went to Underwood's lingerie department, but they didn't have her size, so she cobbled together some so she cobbled something together with two kumquats and half a pound of streaky from the Bridge Farm shop. Things were all going very well until Miranda arrived home. Justin told Lillian to slip up the back passage for the second time that morning. <laughs> what was bizarre about that scene was that there seemed little sense of urgency. Oh, bye then, darling. Don't forget to pick up my thong from the light fitting, wash the sheets to get my scent of Borsetshire nights off them, remake the bed, hide the hat, two plates, two knives, two wine glasses and 17 bottles we've left all over the house. You wouldn't need to be Miss Marple to figure it out, really, would you? In an occasional series, only on the archers, we enjoyed another phrase you'd never hear anywhere else. Good luck with the rest of the hedge. Even Rex doesn't need luck with a hedge. It's only going to spring out on him or lead him into a secret world. Why would you need luck to deal with a hedge? Talking of hedges, Tichinov's been living in one. He's been surviving on upcycled scones from the bin behind the tea rooms. He hung around the Lower Oxley Young Offenders Institute to talk to Henry, which was a bit of achievement in itself, bearing in mind to get into a primary school these days, you have to cross a landmine-studded playground and submit to a retina scan. And also, Henry wouldn't be remotely interested in the secret surprise to play on Mummy. A five-year-old's idea of a secret surprise would be Mummy getting kicked up the bum and pushed in a cow pat. Oh, it's windy, windy, windy. Daddy, why have you grown a beard? Whatever it is, unless there's some kind of payoff that involves Eminem, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I've been living at Bridge Farm. All I've had to eat is runner bean sandwiches for months and I'm the laughing stock at school. Anyway, Rob, 
on the set of Wuthering Heights, according to the BBC sound effects department, <laughs> tried to abduct little Giddy Jack until Pat, dressed as Godzilla, pushed a tree over to block his exit. She'd been talking to Krusty about her chipolata in the oven. Krusty said, <laughs> now you do understand, Pat, don't you? And Pat said hurriedly, yes, yes. She'd already had all that when a man and a lady have a special cuddles thing from Tom and she just couldn't face it again. <laughs> hey, we was just irritated because he wanted to go and play Transformers with Elijah. He was hoping to transform into a five-year-old who could string a sentence together. Helen turned into the Terminator. I'm going to need your car and your baby. Pat tossed the tree trunk out of the way with one hand and they drove off into the sunset, pausing <laughs> only to back over Rob's groin. I daren't say hurrah, but hurrah, sort of. The end. Uh, Grangel, yes, started in the 70s, but actually that uh, Sam Maguire storyline was in the 80s, just saying. You looked that up. No, I didn't. Yes, you, did you not really? Do you know that kind of thing off the top of your head? I know it because I can remember the first episode, and the first episode I was about 10, and, and that was Benny and Tucker and Alan during the first not scene. Roland. Roland no, no, no. Roland is the early 80s with, with, the, with the black girl whose name I cannot remember. I'm going to Roland. And they because were... And they they were the, would have or anything other than Roland. <laughs> and they were the second lot of kids. And Tucker oh, yeah. and Alan and Benny were in it for about yeah. three years with Trisha Yates uh, yeah. approximately on their own. And yeah. so that's why well, there was my notes. three of them in the whole school. <laughs> kind of. But apart from that, that was a stunningly accurate portrayal of things that went down last week in Ambridge. Well done. So what did you think? Because you were not a happy man. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, what is this cobbler that was reading well, Twitter? There was having to leap back from my phone with the vermin. Well, I was kind of slightly beating myself up, number one, because I kind of had figured out the day before the reveal that it was drugs and that um toby was doing uh, a dash of mercy down to brighton from what rex said to pip um about this friend you know this group of friends and they kind of got up to kind of no good i went you know what it is drugs and he's actually on the face of it doing a good thing yeah uh but considering that literally all of my predictions predictions of late have come to naught i thought hmm i'm not going to commit that to twitter uh, so it's there for everyone just to ridicule me and laugh at me. And then 24 <laughs> hours later, I was being right. I went, oh, fuckity fuck. So I remember texting you and I was right, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> so there was that. But I suppose uh, we should really wait until we kind of go through the calls. But I know a few people have said this was over a bit too quick. It actually hasn't been over quickly because we've had um, Rob has been defeated belittled marginalized since september hasn't he since since the court case yeah and it's been a somewhat slow retreat it's just that this is kind of like the germans in the battle of the bulge so it's 1944 and the allies have uh taken taken france have pushed all the way to the german border and when you least expect it the germans come roaring through the ardennes with their tanks and um, and that's what this episode was all about, really. Another analogy is that they did it in the dead of winter and we yeah. had all the sound effects and, and whatever. Well, somebody of... said that was when it started, when she stabbed him. Some, I can't remember which caller it was. I'm sorry, caller. Sorry, mm. caller. Um, she said when she stabbed him, it was a it was a dark and rainy night. 
Yeah. So and that, you know, what, the end of the I think because we've got so many calls, um, I'll leave my back to the board analogy. Exa- well, that's a bit rude, Lucy. <laughs> well, I, I said we, not just you. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our caller in response. I quite like that analogy of the bat of the ball. I just thought that off the top of my head. It's really, really good. The Germans were proper sneaky in there. But we'll talk about the Germans, the Battle of the Bulge, 1944, as we deal with Rob Titchener and his comeuppance. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first, Lucy? Uh, Dan John the second and dusty substances. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Dan John the seventh here, just calling about the end of Wednesday's episode with that ridiculous safeguarding problem of uh, Rob rocking up at Henry's school and uh, seemingly not the first time he's been there, talking to him through a gap in the fence or uh, wandering into the school playground. Absolutely impossible in any uh, in any primary school of any size to, to be able to do that, whether it's a rural one or an urban one. Teachers would be on the lookout. They'd have some sort of safeguarding plan in place for Henry. So pretty scary what this uh, surprise for mummy is, though. Maybe we'll find out in other episodes this week. Anyway, continue to love the show. OK, bye bye. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener, and um, really quite grumpy. I listened to Wednesday's episode where we had the very creepy scene between Rob and Henry for a storyline that was really very um, focused on being realistic. It's yet another lurch into completely cuckoo land. Um, I was chair of a governing body of a primary school for many years and I can tell you they are little uh, Fort Knoxes. We have a very precious um, number of children that just every school treats with the most phenomenal degree of uh, sense of security and safeguarding. Anybody lurking at a gate would be approached and uh, got rid of let alone the situation where a restraining order has been placed upon a child with a particular individual. Absolutely and utterly crazy. This just would not happen. And I'm really very disappointed. Just can whatever's going to happen, happen very quickly. I mean, clearly Rob has got something terrible planned. Um, So if we could just get it out of the way, I'd be incredibly grateful. Um... Can we have more Cathy, please? And could we have the Tuckers back? I think many of us need a bit of uh, light shining into our Ambridge world. And they would certainly light up mine. Cathy in a slightly strange way, obviously, but great character. Um, That's it for now. Uh, Love to everybody. Bye. You are so right. It is completely impossible to talk to a child through the hedge of a primary school. Mm. Um, I'm... I'm a governor at our school, Dusty, and uh, yes, the amount of time we spend on safeguarding, the children are practically... Uh, it's a prison. You know, under under constant surveillance from the teachers and nobody can get near. We have to... Everyone has to sign in and out. You can, If anyone even slows down walking past, that's, you know, it's... The idea that you'd be standing there nattering away is just absolute nonsense. Um, unless... No, it just it's not even that it would be a bad school. It's just you just couldn't happen. Um, so yes, 
total bollocks. And uh, they don't believe Toby for a second. Uh, talking of, um, I was going to say Battle of the Bulge, but that's a ri- bit rude. Talking of Germany, we have mm. Debs from Germany now. Awesome. Um, you know one of the things the Germans did? No. In the Battle of the Bulge? Um, they dressed up some of their um, forward units actually as American GIs and had... Funny. What was that? Cunning, I said. Oh, cunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, against every kind of rule of law, really. So what they did was they got uh, Germans who'd spent time in America, who could speak English with an American accent, put them in American uh, uniforms and sent them out first. Caused utter confusion and consternation in the American ranks. They didn't know what was going on. And then they were actually tasked with changing the road signs around. So when the Americans realised what was going on, they went, OK, turn left to Bastogne. And we, uh, uh, Bastogne was actually right. So the Americans were driving all over the place. Very cunning, the Germans. Is Hitler's last throw of the dice? Hence the whole kind of Rob analogy. Dead of winter. Uh, he wanted to get to Antwerp uh, to, get, uh, to get petrol and sent his best panzers, his best troops, last German offensive of, uh, of the Second World War. Anyway, um, it's 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 one of those kind of great battles that kids love. Cause it's all about tanks and uh, being cunning yeah. and etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I'm going to move swiftly on. Did you say we've got uh, Deb from Germany? I did. Right, we best have her now. Then now the history lesson's over. Good morning, Royfield and Lucy. It's Debs from Germany calling in on Thursday morning. So here I was, quite happily getting ready for work, chuckling along to the carry-on show that is Justin and Lillian in their fur coat in the kitchen and alternately yelling at Pip that Toby's still absolutely lying to her and not to believe a word he said. And then suddenly, that man is in the playground talking to Henry. And it, as you can tell, for I'm really quite upset. It took my breath away. I was putting on the acres of slap that most middle-aged women have to do before they go to work. And I just sat there with my eyeliner on my eye for two minutes, listening to him, feeling utterly, utterly sick. I just can't believe that all your predictions are coming true. I can't believe that they're setting it up like this. And the fact that he said it was going to be a surprise tomorrow and he's going to go away afterwards. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm having a middle-aged premature moment completely incorrectly but god i feel sick anyway now i'm going to be late for work because i've got to work out how to get off waterproof eyeliner that's completely gouged on one eye like a panda and the other one looks like an albino have a great day um god didn't see that coming take care guys schön tag noch tschüss debs stop saying you're middle-aged even if you are technically middle-aged you're not because you're still ringing into a lunatic podcast like this. So therefore, <laughs> you are young and lovely. Um, and I'm sure your eyeliner didn't look that bad. I also froze, though. I know exactly what you mean. I was, as usual, cooking and um, I was halfway through through making pastry. And I suddenly went, oh, shit. and just stood there <laughs> sort of poised, hovered, hovering over the bowl, thinking, oh, my God, when I heard his voice. It's just it's his voice. It's just horrible, horrible, horrible to hear his voice. Um, I think he definitely has gone this time. I mean, I know we keep saying that, but this time, you know, he did his little Facebook chatty chat, didn't he, with Angela Barnes? So <laughs> I think... Little Facebook chatty chat. 
it's just kind of belittling the whole process but yeah i yeah when people were saying on the thursday that oh god here we go again and i did kick off and i'll talk about my kicking off in a little bit um (laughs) we're gonna drag this nonsense out i did actually say on the book of face well the very fact that he's doing that the next day, Angela advertised the fact that he was going to be on Facebook Live. Said, "Well, it's going to be over by seven fifteen on Friday," and that's right. one of my few predictions, which has actually come to pass. Uh, but hmm, um, where are we? we? We're talking about Debs. Shall I just shut up? You deal with Debs, and then I'll talk about. I've dealt with Debs. Oh, all done. You? It's all oh, done. Well, yep, good. she's I... mopped up her eyeliner and everything. Oh, well done. Okay, now hmm, we've got Cat Brown now. Have we? Mm-hmm. I'm still stuck on this. I think they've done done Rob wrong, really do. And I've been trying to think of antiheroes who we actually have in in the Archers, and I had to do a little bit of thinking. I scratched my head, and let's take um, Hazel Woolley out of it for now. But actually, Brian Aldridge. When I used to listen to this thing in the 80s and the 90s, first off, he was the baddie, wasn't he? Brian yeah, Aldridge was because not... Because of the infidelity and the... Yeah, and but... He all... was like the cruel and nasty capitalist, wasn't he? Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. Brian Aldridge is no Rob Titchener. But he was the serial baddie. Yeah. And you... But you, but you believed in him. And he was the antithesis... Uh, put my teeth in and say that again. He was the absolute opposite <laughs> uh, to Pat and Tony. <laughs> That's what he was, wasn't yeah. he? Yes, yeah. They were yeah. all organic yeah. and small yeah. and yeah. respect this, respect the earth, etc. And he just didn't care. No. And then he was shagging people left, right and centre. And we would have been dealt, I think, a much more believable but a better crafted next 20 years of this if Rob could have been somewhat normalised, as I said before. And this kind of... I've kind of really got into the Americans. Have you, have you, read, have you watched that at all, Lucy? No. Okay, so the, the premise of the Americans is it's the 1980s, early 1980s, Washington, D.C., and it's um, a husband and wife team of Russian agents who have been embedded in, in Washington, in America... They've been there for 20 years. They, they can only speak English. They've been told by their Russian handlers, only speak English, even if you're just speaking to each other. Uh, they have two children. That's how embedded they actually are. And you watch this and they go around sleuthing and spying. And it, it, it's very good. You know, I'm not setting this up um, as well as it's actually written at all. Um, but they are KGB spies. And they have this FBI um, agent neighbour. I'm binge watching this halfway through season two. I realized these are the baddies and you're rooting for them because they nearly get caught. They believe in what they're doing. Uh, and then all of a, but they, they do take the kids to, to, you know, to the movies. They eat ap- apple pie, etc. But they are died in the wall KGB agents. They just speak with American accents. And that for me is a whole genius um, set of writing. I believe in these characters. Because it's morally ambivalent. Absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to end up... I didn't want... I, I wouldn't want... No one wants to end up like Rob, Rob Titchener. No, no, no. But 
people like this exist in our in our communities they are our neighbors etc and we would have had a great character study having him around the village not playing ma- a major role as I, as i said you know uh, we- weeks ago but just as a, a bit of a linda snell light in terms of the amount of appearances they make and the 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 plethora of storylines you know with henry with giddy jack with his next cleaner etc his next you know and also the fact that helen has to have some kind of uh, relationship with him i just think we've been sold sold short on this you know, uh, all we know is that he's gone for now. No, nah, he's but but he he's going to be Heather Woolley, isn't he? He will return on occasion, once every two years, three years. There'll be something where he has to be back in Ambridge, yeah. or you know, he'll send something in the post, and that's what. Yeah, and maybe maybe because through all of this, there's also the politics of it as well, the internal BBC politics. So Sean O'Connor probably when he said he's going to be around for 20 years. As far as he was concerned, he's left and Rob was still part of the village. And then, you know, our new uh, script editors come in and gone, you know what, screw that for, you know, for a lot. You know, it's just going to overshadow things. I can understand that the new script editors come in and just says, you know, to get rid. But still, you know, the ramifications of this will will echo on, you know, because Henry needs to grow up and as... People have said on social media, you know, we were setting Henry up to be, you know, somebody in dire need of uh, psychological help. You know, Jack's going to be too young to know other than, you know, mummy, who, who is my daddy type of thing. And maybe yeah. wander off at the age of 16 to go and go and find him in Minnesota or wherever. But I just, you know, when I when I sit down and look at uh, something, something like Breaking Bad, where you end up um, not. Breaking Bad is a bad example because with Breaking Bad, you understand and you empathise and you sympathise with the antagonist because you think he's a protagonist all, all the way through. You understand that an initial drive for him to, to, to do wrong and, and you go with him. So that's not exactly the right starting point. But my God, if they had had the courage of their convictions, the scriptwriters, and actually said, you know what, this man has done this. He's a, he is a human being. Let's have the odd interaction with with Alan. Let's have the unease of somebody in the village. Let's have somebody who, as warped and as damaged as are, still loves his son, stroke sons. I just think much more delicious writing. And for me, it's just, it's a cop-out. You know, as soon as we heard that rain on Thursday, and script writers, listen, I love what you do. But well, as soon as we heard that rain on Thursday, I just typed into um, into Twitter <laughs> ominous. It was just it was yeah. so obvious. Yeah. OK. And and I think my reaction to all of this maybe says a little bit more about me than I, than I'd really like to admit is that I struggle with this whole thing when obvious devices are used to manipulate us obviously the whole thing is an exercise in manipulation 
because they're writing stories. But I just want them to be a little bit less obvious at times. I don't want to hear... It's a dark, stormy night. So, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, here come these foreboding clouds and yes, whatever. Yes, but th- th- there's, there's a huge history, isn't there, on the archers of, of it taking the piss out of itself. Like having Frida Fry, who never spoke, played by Judy Dench on the one occasion yeah, she but did that, speak, but, and then all she did was say yes. But, but that's clever. Whatever it was. That, that's clever. That's clever. But you mean, and that, but they shouldn't have done that on this storyline because it's been too serious. To, I get it's been it. too subtle to end up with a bit of melodrama. Exactly. Thank you. I witter on for three minutes. You encapsulate it in, in three seconds. <laughs> That's exactly it. Something I and, found. And Sorry. I know that, and, and obviously, that last scene was just to re emphasize the fact that Helen has found her strength to move on, to confront Rob, but she she's now done it in front of her family. So they That ca- was the thing I was going to say. People were saying they didn't understand. I mean, I do think the not calling the police thing was nuts, which has since, well, yeah, it was nuts. But I could kind of see why she, because she, without the help of anybody else, just her own... Um, uh, for, it was just a head-to-head, eyeball-to-eyeball, force against force. Mm. She was stronger than him. Yeah, that was what she was saying. You have got no plan. You have got no clue. You have got no idea what you're going to do. You're just a stupid little man whose ego has been threatened. So you're having a tantrum and taking away your toys. And I am not going to let you do that. Don't be stupid you know mm. give me the keys and everything and it was just she wasn't her, like you said it wasn't her family it wasn't the police it wasn't um an authority figure it was just helen and mm. she just did it and it wasn't kirsty either yeah i was i was thinking here we go captain kirsty to the rescue you know but, <laughs> but she, she didn't yeah, yeah. Um, and and we have had her uh similarly basically stand up to rob since the since the trial and be strong Yes, she needed. Yes, we needed closure. Uh, so, so we had Pat dealing with her nemesis, who was Ursula, and then Helen dealt well, with her. Well, I, I, I'm going to put the Pat and Ursula thing completely to one side. I think that for the for the sake of the drama, Helen needed to show that she was strong. But you're completely right. There still is the whole thing with with the police calling the police, but do it in front of Pat and Kirsty. You know, so that's what happened. That could have been done in a multiplicity of ways, which didn't uh, need fallen branches. That didn't need um, yeah, yeah, a whole load of rain, rain effects. It's you know, it's a dark, stormy night, etc. Could have been done in the ball on the village green, etc. Yeah, and given this man a slap down, of which he would then go and shrink off. And then uh, lick his wounds and try and get into the cricket team. And the cricket team say no. And then you just see um, this broken person who is at the periphery of, of the village. And I, because I yeah, just but, think, loose, loose. How, I just think, then, but... uh, for me, and maybe I'm listening, to, and maybe I'm listening to the wrong docudrama. 
and said, maybe this is a much more about me. Heaven forfend! But I, in the last year, that stabbing episode, tremendous. I think it was the wrong move, but it was actually a tremendous bit of drama. But for me, the best bits of writing have been Alan and Rob. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. I want characters. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So but maybe we needed closure. We, we can have closure. Well, we can't if he's still in the village no, and he's still slinking can. around and we no. don't know when he's going to pop up. How many times have we had characters have their comeuppance? Here's an example. It's not a perfect analogy. Caroline and Brian. They had an affair. They did. Hasn't been mentioned in, what, about two decades? Closure on that. It happened, but closure. Don't get me wrong, right? What Rob put Helen through is a darn sight bigger than that, right? But... These things happen in rural settings and people still manage to navigate their way through life. And seeing shitbags on a, not necessarily a daily basis, but on a fairly regular basis. And it just would have made for a much more compelling, interesting, multi-layered drama. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, then. Right, who's next? <laughs> but also, but but Roy, looking at it from a, a sort of a, a writer's point of view, mm. which I know is annoying, but it would have been hellishly difficult with the with the person that Rob has now become. He can't go in the village shop. He can't go in the pub. He's been kicked out of his house. Everybody in the village now hates him. His job at Damara would have been untenable. He would have lost all his power Mm. and it would have been awfully difficult to keep him in there because as a character, because everyone would say, why the hell is he still even there? But you know what, though? Is it because of Giddy Jack, I suppose? Yeah, exactly. Giddy Jack. And you'd say that he'd get a job in Birmingham and he would have to commute to Birmingham. There's there's ways around it. So he's not uh, in the bull 24-7 etc he's not interacting with people 24 7 he's just an occasional character and he's explained away as that rob's got a job in birmingham blah 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 and you know three four times a year you bring up the uh, the contact meetings etc there you go Mm. because in the end he wasn't even living in the village anyway was he no no he wasn't he had his executive flat in wherever by the bypass yeah So, anyway. Executive flat by the iPad. <laughs> Not very glamorous. <laughs> <clears throat> right, Cat Brown now. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hello, dum dum It's Cat Brown here. God, what a load of old bollocks, isn't it? Um, I've been laughing out loud a little bit this week, uh, which feels a little bit of a shame given how good things have been recently, Brookfield aside. Firstly, oh, Toby and his drug addict ex, please. No, just not going to happen at all. That sort of crowd, that sort of 
class, weirdly. They are super posh, really, aren't they? Just, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Um, Baby would have been significantly more realistic. But the idea that Toby has any kind of loyalty to anybody other than himself is pure farce. And then Rob and his plan, which actually the plan in itself, you know, that's incredibly devilish, completely up to that. The thing that really just really spoiled it and took me out of the moment was the idea that he'd be that sort of sweet towards Henry. We've already seen that he's a massive narcissist and the only thing that he really cares about is himself. So it feels to me as though this whole move to Helen uh, in, in taking Jack away would be motivated by anger and by pride rather than anything else. And so the idea that he's sort of sitting there a wobbly lip to Henry, who's behaved jolly nicely to all the way through this and with seemingly quite a lot of love, it just, it just feels weird. And I don't mean in the idea that Rob should be a cardboard cutout, but that it just feels weird in the term of, in the idea of somebody who's that narcissistic. So not quite sure about that but I was very much on the edge of my seat going, oh, you big bastards, at the end of it. So hurrah for that. Bye. I agree, Kat. Uh, not with you laughing out loud. That's very naughty, Ms. Brown. I agree. Stella would be in the Priory, <laughs> not on the streets. Um, uh, yes, it's it's all a bit nonsensey, And it's all quite dated. No, People who are involved with... With, you know, when he said she's using hard drugs, then he said she went back on the heroin. I think people in that you'd say smack or something, wouldn't you? You wouldn't use, uh, you know, it just sounded really wrong and really clumsy and kind of very. It was a bit like a six form drug awareness play. Oh, getting, getting us back down to uh, Grange yeah, Hill. Yeah, Grange Hill. Just say yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Should do a bit of live aid after this. Um, so, yeah. Yes, I agree. That was all a bit daft. Right, next call. Sorry, we're whizzing through now. Glyn full of love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Uh, Glyn here, phoning in on Thursday night. As don't think I'll get a chance over the weekend. And of course, Thursday night is the night of the long um, predicted kidnap of Jack by, by Rob. I'm sure there's something to develop on this on Friday, so I'll let other people who've had the chance to listen to Friday's episode comment. A couple of other things, though, on my mind. First, Toby. Well, Toby, you may have told Pip the truth, but I doubt very much whether that's the whole truth. And um, I can see this relationship heading for the rocks very quickly, just as Rex is getting it together with Anisha. And Pip, I'm afraid you're going to have to wait for love until Matthew the cowman comes home. Other point was, I was just thinking to myself a few minutes ago, I think we've had a Grundy-free January. And I just see on the character statistics on the website that we have indeed had a Grundy-free January. Now, I may not always um, be the Grundy's greatest fans, but um, I have to say the Archers without the Grundy's is a little bit like apple pie without the custard are we allowed to mention custard a grundy free january yes it was they've gone very quiet i assume they've paid their rent i assume they're not booted out into the storm um yes so as usual we have you know oh what are we gonna do eddie and then you know nothing anyway uh you know what what? we could maybe save a bit a bit of our budget are not employing. Hang on, what budget? 
sandwiches to do the impressions because you're bloody good whenever you turn <laughs> your hand to her. What I could do is just go, Emma hey, Grundy I... just came into my ears. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was supposed to be Clary. So oh, there yeah. you go. You see. Okay. That's why we need sandwiches yeah, because fair you dues. can't tell the difference between all of them. They all sound the same. Um, and, and he reckons uh, Rex going for Anisha. Uh, Pip splitting up with uh, Toby, looking for Rex. Rex not there. Rex is having his joint flushed out by Anisha. What oh, do we think about that? Rex, Rex is having what flushed out by Anisha? His joint flushed out. She keeps talking about flushing out joints. Oh, it's the only oh. thing she knows how to do mm. for horses. Mm. Well, generally, what happens is when you have relatively new characters on. We all say, oh, don't care. Don't care about this character, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, after giving uh, the script editor uh, somewhat of a, a piece of me, piece of me mind, um, the script editor, in conjunction with the writers, are sufficiently skilled that, you know, six months in, generally we do care, don't we? Yeah. So right here and now, Luce, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> but I will care. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> She's got a lovely voice, Anisha, hasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really gorgeous. I forgot to tell you, you know, we were talking about um, there being no um, black actors and things on the Archers. Mm. The actress that plays Kaz is is black. Helen's mate from prison. Oh, is she? Oh. Yeah. She gave an award at the Drummer Awards and I thought, hello, I recognise that voice. And then I wikied her and there she was. Well, Daniel's missus. Is, is Girly Whirly. Uh, she's a, an, an actor of colour also. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. There, there we the, go. They're the, the sneaking us in. <laughs> they are. <laughs> you and Hardeep Singh Kohli, you're taking over everything, you lot. <laughs> yeah. What was her name? Dorothy. That was it. Dorothy. It. Mm. How are we doing with that wall, chaps? Keep building. Anyway. Robert Wilson. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Naked Fingers here. And there are a few things in life that are certain. One is death, the other taxes, and the third is that I will be wrong whenever I predict a plot line in The Archers. And I was wrong this time, too. Uh, we, all we all predicted, I guess, in the end, that there was going to be some abduction if there wasn't a stabbing, but um, I said Rob was going to lie in wait and bide his time, but Clearly, he was a man on the edge, and he flipped, didn't he? But wasn't that good? Wasn't that... I, that Friday's episode, let's just listen to it now, uh, was great. I really thought that was brilliantly done. Maybe Royfield will disagree. He was up in arms on Thursday, saying it was a load of old bollocks. But um, I think the setup was worth it. I enjoyed that. Good for Helen. I just wish she'd have kicked him in the bollocks, too. Anyway, that's it from me. I'm on the wine again. Claret tonight. I'm also available for voiceover. At Naked Fingers. Good night. I love him. Anyway, he says, uh, good for Helen. They should have kicked him in the bollocks as well. Yes, well, we all, I think, wanted a sort of... Well, everybody wanted something different from that scene, I think. Mm. Uh, and I, I disagree with you. I think got what they wanted. <laughs> no, I disagree with you. I think most people actually got what they wanted. But it's, it's, there's always some some refusenicks on the side that are never happy, and I'm just one of those. I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> 
you and your fancy metropolitan dramatic ideals exactly. and your fourth well anti-dramatic <sighs> ideals i don't want drama no I, you know i want psychological intrigue that's what i want mm-hmm. mm. Blythe Spirit now. Hello, Dumpty Dum, Blythe Spirit calling. Well, it's Friday night and we have heard the big showdown, haven't we? Anima Rising. Yeah, Helen had her moment in the sun. There was wind and rain and it was all very dramatic and yeah, bloody, bloody, blah. But do we buy it, is the question. I think my answer is no. I found it very, very implausible. And quite frankly, the thought of them just standing there and not dialing 999 when threatened with this awful man in this awful situation was just completely ridiculous I think basically it's a ruse to keep the Dark Lord hanging around and turning up every five months or five years or whenever, who cares at this point Um, and yeah, very very thin not really working I don't think what I'm particularly interested in though is the fallout of this from Damara Capital because now Pat and Kirsty know about the culvert and if Pat knows about the culvert and what Damara has been doing there is no way that Brian isn't going to find out and my plot prediction there is that basically all the shit that's going to go down with Damara will happen before he gets the land deal and that will actually save the Aldridges meanwhile what's going to happen with Damara is Justin going to be prosecuted for corporate crime are insurance companies going to go after them for compensation for all the damage that they caused? And this whole thing is going to ripple out through the village in terms of personal relationships. Lillian and Bert, all the people who've had their properties destroyed, the Grundys lost their home. It's it's going to have effects that will go on for weeks and weeks, I'm sure, and that will be played out for some considerable time. But I think Lillian and Justin, it's all going to go horribly wrong for them. And quite frankly, at this point, after the way that Lillian has behaved and but Justin has behaved, I don't feel terribly sympathetic towards them. Certainly Justin deserves everything that he gets. Anyway, that's it from me. Cheers now. Bye. No one dialed 999. I know, I know. Even Derek was moved to text me and say, (laughs) the whole nation has just gone, hooray, what? Oh, God, when we realised that actually, you know, yes, I'm sure he's gone. Yes, that's what he said last time. Yes, but this time I'm really sure. Okay, then. Um, uh, Let's not tell the police, though, that my erstwhile husband has tried to abduct my child by living in a hedge. Um, now, this is very interesting. Pat and Kirsty now know about the culvert. They know about what Damara has been doing. Mm. That affected the Grundys, Lillian, Bert Fry, the Snells, blah, 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 blah. Will, though, that, will that information be sort of, um, uh, held, retained by Pat and Helen, bearing in mind the, all the, 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 the drama-rama of the, as another 70s ITV series, um, drama of the situation mm-hmm. or will that will they just will that just kind of be a coincidental thing and they'll just be focused on um uh on on sort of what happened and rob and everything else and and that will just pass by i don't know i don't know but it would have massive ramifications if they do think about it and it would obviously have a huge impact on uh brian and the land grab wouldn't it Absolutely. And I, I think we said this uh, last week or the week before, I can't can't remember exactly, that the ramifications of this on Damara are, are so stark. And you can't have this amount of people knowing about it without there being some, you know, without it playing out, you know, that there's too many people that are in on this secret now. 
Yeah. And on, and it's not within Pat's interest not not to say something. It's not as if she's some shareholder of, of Damara or whatever. You, you could make a very strong argument for saying that Brian could know and might not say anything. He might, you know, wrestle with his conscience. But Pat, no, absolutely mm. not. So, hmm. Uh, this will run and run. This will play out, I think we can safely say. You know you said that every time you say that you love Vicky Cole, she completely ignores you. Yeah. She's agreed with you in this call. Well, I, I'm not answering any of her calls anymore because, you know, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> my love is unrequited. So I'm just going to be really quite petulant and juvenile and just say, this one's over to you, Lucy. Why don't you go and steal one of her children? That's what you could do if you wanted what? to be really petulant. And, well, well no. like Rob did. Have well, a proper tantrum. Well, I go th- and talk to them in a hedge and then take them away. <laughs> until she throws trees at you until you give them, give them back. Morning, everyone. It's Vicky Colin Kenya here. I've just listened to that episode. By the time the podcast gets to us here, it's, I'm usually asleep. So I woke up this morning took a deep breath, the podcast ready, positioned the dumpty cat ready for moral support and listened to it. And I have to say, I feel really let down by that episode, especially if that is meant to be the end of the whole story. I think she should have called the police instantly. Then we had Tom, Josh, Kirsty and Pat and Tony all driving around in that area. And yet none of them stopped him. There was potential, I think, for some real good dramatic stuff there. But in the end, it was the tree and the mud that kind of held him up. And then Helen sort of confronting him on her own seems a bit crazy, but I suppose she would have been crazy. And I just don't think... I, Helen did a very good speech, very well performed, as always, by both of them. But, you know, would he really have crumpled so quickly and admitted to not having a good plan? And It just all seems so unrealistic. But the thing that makes me crossest of all was right at the end, when Helen and Pat were trying to get Jack soothed off to sleep, and they were not with Henry. I mean, Jack is a small baby, and he won't have any idea what's been going on. But Henry's little world has been turned upside down. And I just think he needed his mum. And I think that was such poor parenting. I'm sure lots of people will call in with all the same points, but... Oh dear, I I do feel that that was a bit of a letdown. Anyway, love to everyone. Bye! Would Rob have crumpled? You possibly not, but no, I understand... No, he would. He would. Helen he would. Thing. We've okay. stripped away... All of his power. You've said it earlier on. I said it before on previous podcasts. The only thing he had going for him, giving him the status and the respect that he thought he was he deserved in life, was this job with Damara. It's yeah. one thing for him. First off, the veneer of him being this upright uh, citizen with with a, with a family that was taken away. There, uh, and it wasn't just taken away, he was shown to be uh, the most venal uh, of, of men, uh, an abuser of women and a, and a rapist. Because he so belittles women, doesn't think anything of women, he could, he could live with that. He, mm. he, and he just denied Well, he it. just didn't believe it was no, true. Exactly. He? You know, exactly. 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 But not having a job yeah. where he could lord it over people. Yeah. That that was the final thing. So yeah, and yet again, and also I think I think there was a little bit of um, Daddy Justin. Yes, I I, th- I think you're and right. Then, and then I think you're you know, right. Daddy Justin rejects him, and then that really hurts. Absolutely, I I, th- I think you're completely right. 
So, um, yeah, I think this is completely and utterly in keeping. And we've been had this plotted since September. They've done a yeah. great job. And the whole thing with Alan was to show us his mental state. And the yeah. fact that every now and then he does have a slight flicker because his attitude to Helen did change after yeah. speaking to speaking to uh, to Alan. So I think they've done a masterful job. So um, after saying, I'm, doing, I'm going to ignore you, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> In typical me fashion, it's taken me all about 30, 30 nanoseconds for me to, uh, to, to go back and actually what I've said and just say, you know what, I, I love you dearly, Vicky Cole, but actually you're wrong. And this is where the writers have actually uh, played a blinder. And, but and what she it. is completely right about is the poor parenting of of poor Henry. They are storing up so many psychological problems for oh, that poor but, little. Yeah, sod. but come on though, whatever Pat and Helen um, do, Rob has done ultimately much more damage, and I don't. I think it's wrong to say no, that. But they... there's still time to fix it, and to to then to after Henry was would feel himself complicit in the plot. To take away his little brother from his mother, he saw the row, and then they leave him to it, and they're all focused on um, Giddy Jack. And she's absolutely right; that's absolutely shocking. Somebody needs to be saying to that child, "It is not your fault. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. It is not your fault." Over and over and over again. Mm. Otherwise, there's deep, deep uh, problems stored up right there, and loads of plot lines, I would imagine, which is why they're doing it anyway. Bye-bye, Steve, now. Never can stay Hello, Dumpty Dum. Steve here. Two things. Uh, not interested at all in Brighton. Boring. Uh, second one is this Helen and Rob denouement. Uh, there's so many things that are just not credible. Rob had just signed an agreement on a flat. They're usually for six months. Suddenly he just buggered off and it was up for let again. And, you know, that just doesn't happen. You know, Justin would have said, you know, we'll pay you what you pay you. Would have probably paid him up for the month. So Rub would have really just stayed in the flat for a month to make other arrangements. Instead, it sounds like he's been living in his car because Henry said he basically looked like a farty old tramp when he saw him. The other thing is that somebody should have called the police. When they were stuck in the flood, Pat and Kirsty were there. And Pat said, phone the police. And if I was in that position and it was my daughter and I could see there was something terrible kicking off, the first thing I would have done is got my bloody mobile phone out and phoned the Rosers. First thing. And then they could have come and sorted it out. Secondly, Helen is totally, totally, totally out of order because she didn't want the police involved. Now, there's two things here. One, the kidnapping of Giddy Jack. And two, Rob is probably culpable for Frieda's death. Well, he is culpable for Frieda's death. And Helen knows that. Justin knows that. Lillian knows that. And we're still in the EU. And they could have got Sven or whatever his name back with a European warrant to get him to appear in court to get Rob up in front of the beak to atone for his sins. Helen is just totally crazy Rob's sort of narcissistic and don't give a shit about anybody else's attitude means that he's going to do this to somebody else the best thing Helen can do is get the bugger locked up and the last thing I want to say and this has got to be done 
I, I, I do apologise, but Robert and Lucy sitting on a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Mwah. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mwah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. Why did he not still carry on living in his flat? Why, after 24 hours, did he just leave? But that was that because he wanted everyone to think he had left, Steve? I don't know. Get the bugger locked up. I agree. And <laughs> thank you very much for singing the song about In the Tree. That was very funny. And it actually made me go red while I was listening to it. So that's really stupid. Witherspoon, who says this is all a penny dreadful. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. It was a dark and stormy night. And so began the final chapter of the penny dreadful that we've all been reading for the past three years. Of course, it was not a coincidence that this all ended as it began, with lots of rain. So this week I'm going to talk about Helen and not Rob. Kudos, of course, to her and the emotional journey that led her to standing toe-to-toe with Rob and delivering a left hook that landed squarely in his emotional solar plexus. However, I was very concerned that she did not call 999 when she embarked on the great chase. I know she was out of her head with worry, but isn't it the first thing you would do? We have Amber Alerts for missing children here. Do you have an equivalent? Then, in the epilogue, I was even more concerned when Helen was rather unbothered by contacting the police because she felt she had permanently vanquished the Dark Lord. It was great for her emotionally, but wasn't she putting her kids at future risk by not alerting the authorities? Good thing that cooler heads prevailed. Even if Helen tells the police not to bother chasing after Rob, wouldn't they do so because the crime was against a child and she doesn't have the option to decline their services? On a related note, will Henry tell Helen that Rob told him that he wasn't his real father? Isn't it time she tells him that Rob has done some bad things, and if he sees him again, he should run to another adult? And isn't it time that Helen stops being neglectful and get Henry into therapy? With those questions, we'll take leave of you. Angus and I have to get back to drawing beards onto the Rob pictures we're reposting in our neighborhood. Talk to you soon. Yep. Get Henry into therapy. I agree. I think I think calling the police would be the first thing that Kirsty would do, that uh, Pat would do. I, maybe Pat's first instinct would be to save Helen, protect Helen. Kirsty would ring the police. Um, but yes, when she's when she's driving around like mad trying to find the man who's abducted her child, the, I would imagine... Please, God, I'm never in this situation. But I would imagine the first thing you'd want to do is ring the police. Yes. Um, but it was almost like she knew where he was going or something. It was very strange. Uh, yep. Um, I'm coming to see you soon with a spoon next week. Hooray! Um, Claire, now. Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Uh, Now I'm sure everyone this week wants to talk about Helen and Rob and the showdown and the kidnapping of Jack etc. So I'm going to avoid that altogether and I want to talk about Pip and Toby. Specifically, she seemed to come to her senses about him being a complete 
loser and a horrible person and uh, was about to chuck him out and then forgave him in like a minute. What an idiot, Pip. You know, first of all, she was cooking him lunch. She said she was cooking him lunch and he just didn't even text to say, I'm not coming in for lunch. He just went. What kind of discourteous behaviour is that? Don't stand for it, Pip. Doesn't matter how good the excuse was of whatever he had to do in Brighton. There's just no excuse for that kind of behaviour. It just shows a complete lack of respect. He doesn't respect you now. He's not going to learn to do it in the future. So just bail out and get yourself down to Bridge Farm where someone can give you a lecture on falling for a you know charming guy who turns out to be a pain. Uh, take some lessons out of uh, Helen's book before it all gets stabby. Yes. Well, Pip so much wants to believe that that everybody is wrong and Toby is all right, that she hasn't just made a massive mistake, that I think she'd pretty much believe anything. I'm not even sure she does believe him, really. I just think, as we keep saying, she can't get herself out of this situation. Um, it would be lovely if she just showed him the door, but uh, I don't think it's going to... I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and I thought it was interesting when she was talking to Ruth and um, no, she was, uh, Ruth was talking to Shula and Shula said, Oh, I thought everything was better. Now Pip and Jill, Pip and mum had made up. And Ruth said incredibly quickly, you mean after your mother apologized? And she said, Oh yes, that. And mm. you could kind of hear that tug then of family loyalty on both sides. I don't want to admit that my mother's been a bit of a silly old sod. And also Ruth wanting everyone to acknowledge Jill has massively cocked up here because, you know, she's Ruth's always the one that feels inadequate compared to Jill. Um, Yes. Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. Um, I wasn't going to call in this week as I didn't think I'd have time, but uh, um, I do. I find time on my hands and I'm looking at the snow falling. And thank you, Witherspoon, for um, putting the message out and for all of you who have tweeted uh, messages of support after my little mishap on the slopes yesterday. Um, I was going to talk about the veterinary practice, but Cosmo's going to cover that off, so we'll leave it in his capable hands. And um, But I will just say I understand Helen and her drive and the most important focus on just dealing with Rob there and then, not letting him run away and the police get hold of him, get the baby back. Um, I'm glad she's acquiesced and they're allowing uh, the police at least to have it on record so they can use it further times if they need it. But I think she's right, and I hope she's right, that he will now just go away. Anyway, I shall speak to you all again soon. Take care. I do hope that your leggy is getting better, Andrew Horn. That is very depressing, sitting, watching everyone else zoom around in the snow uh, while you are sitting there watching, I don't know what country you're in, watching whatever country you're in's version of daytime television um, and inspecting your leg at regular intervals and listening to the archers, although that must be the only good bit. Um, But yes, I think a a lot of people understand Helen wanting to... Being Helen being reassured that she managed to fix it herself, that she now feels in a way that she's never she never felt before when he did that foot in the door business. You could feel her weakening then you, because she was aware of his power then. This time she was completely unaware of his lack of power. Mm. 
And it's interesting that a lot of on the Twitters, when everyone was screaming, get the police, get the police, get the police. It was men that were saying, no, I understand why she's not calling the police. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I saw one woman say, I understand why she's not calling the police. Um, Anyway, hope you get better, you and your leg. Julie from Pickering. Can I just say before going to Julie from Pickering, it is the power of social media that um, someone can be on the ski slopes and can uh, you know na- na- knacker themselves big styly. They-, they tweet about it and then it's on Facebook and then there's this in effect international <laughs> outpouring of sympathy, you know, and and it's just you know and it's just the immediacy of, of the world world that we live in. It was just you know yeah. you saw the picture of him on the stretcher. Then all of a sudden there are some psychiatrists in New York telling people on Facebook and there's people going, oh my god and whatever and stuff. it's just the yeah. globalised world that we live in just so. well that's what he said he texted me and said I live in a global village of caring people didn't text me the fucker <laughs> that's why I texted him because I was on Facebook Don't call our listeners fuckers. It's not very nice. I'm fairly sure that's in the guidance rules of podcasting. Be nice to your listeners. Do not call them rude names. Hello, Julie from Pickering here. I haven't called in for a while, but this week I just had to ring in. Got quite a few things that uh, I need to get off my chest. First of all, you know, the safeguarding arrangements. What on earth is going on there? The, the access visits. How come... No one sees a Helen off the premises with the children so that Rob can't approach her. Anyway, yeah, that cool. School safeguarding. What, what's going on there? The family. What about Brian's safeguarding? He didn't even tell Helen about Rob. Surely Helen should have, should have known from Brian or from Justin that Rob had been sacked and he, he'd gone rogue, so to speak so that they could tell their solicitor or their social services or whatever, whoever's uh, looking after the safeguarding arrangements, that Rob had gone rogue. Um, what else did I need to say? Oh, Rob just turning up at the, uh, at the house, just thinking he could take Jack. And what a kick in the teeth to Henry. I'm sorry, Henry, I'm not your dad, I don't want you, I'm just taking Jack. God, that kid is going to need so much counselling, it's unbelievable. But, hey-ho... I'm glad Goddess Diva's back. It was so nice to hear Goddess Diva uh, on the last podcast. Um, hopefully she'll she'll start uh, calling in more often again. I do miss her rants. I do miss her take on things. So please, more Goddess Diva. And also, can we have Ruth back answering the phone to the caller in her? Kind of missing Ruth. Uh, Ruth's delivery of her her number and that, oh, I've got the world on my shoulders, Geordie voice, saying her telephone number with a sigh that can only be delivered by someone whose mother had died in a service station. But I really liked Ruth answering the phone and a bit fed up of Susan, really. And I guess that's all I've got to say. Doodles. Yes, it was. I agree, Julie. It was very nice to hear Goddess Diva back again. Um, and yes, as we've all said, safeguarding. What a load of pants. Um, John the First. Walking down the road with the pistol in your waist. John, you're too bad. Hi, everyone. John the First here. 
Do you feel a little bit let down by the storyline that happened over the weekend? Because I certainly do. I was not surprised at all by the fact that Rob was going to try and um, kidnap Jack or Gideon or whatever we're calling him. He seems to have completely forgotten about the Gideon thing now. Quite rightly too, to be fair. It's not exactly uh, fair on the child, is it? I don't know. It just... it. When we had the episode on Thursday night and we had the kidnapping, I thought, brilliant, this is going to get moving. And then it was all wrapped up in 20 minutes the next day on on Friday. I'm really surprised that they didn't spin this out longer. And it looks like um, it looks like Rob is gone because on the Facebook live stream afterwards, the impression was that Timothy Watson is finished. He's been released. That's it. Rob's gone. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not sad to see him go and I'm pleased it's finished, but... I'm in a little bit of disbelief that it's over so quick, but bye for now. God love him. He's really surprised they didn't spin it out longer. Longer? It was two years, John. <laughs> um, no, I know what you mean. Um, it was all done and dusted uh, in one 15 minutes, but what a 15 minutes, I say. Mm. And we end the calls with not contrary. And our little dum de doodler. And Ashok. Mother Mary, I swear I want to change. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Mary, not contrary, in Toronto. And this is my first call in over four months since I became a mother to a little boy. Um, and he's now an Archer's listener to a Dumpty Diddler. He enjoys me singing along to the theme tune and my asides on the different characters and plots. And in fact, my husband Ashok is also now a listener to the Archers. Um, and similar to the experience of Rupert at Barrett Green, I find that Ashok often wants to pause the recordings and say what's going on here, delve into the backstories and the plot lines. Um, so I, I sympathise that that can be a bit annoying, but we're working through it. We're getting there. I'm bringing you up to speed with the education on all things archers. Um, I don't have anything too profound to say about current storylines. I do wonder if Anisha's uh, large outlay for new equipment for the veterinary practice uh, will really push Alistair into the red. And perhaps we'll see a rekindling, a resurgence of his gambling problems. Um, not sure how likely that is because the archers tend to do one issue in depth and then move on to some other issue, but we never know. That's that's a possibility. Um, so I hope everyone's doing well, and I'll uh, speak to you again in some future time. Uh, rules, uh, Mary, not contrary. Um, it is not okay uh, when a new listener says to you, could you just stop it because I need to ask why why David just said that or why you laughed when Linda said that. You have to say, shut up, hush, I shall tell you later. Do not let them stop you. Otherwise, you'll be in a never-ending stop-start thing. You'll lose your thread and 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 it won't work. They just have to learn to shush and ask questions at the end. That's I, the rule. I it's husband, children or whatever. In the bad old days, quite simply, this thing will go out on the wireless and you had to, like, if you were trying to listen in, you had to jump in and say, what's going on? He can, he can listen again at his own leisure, can't he? He can just play it again. So yeah. why he's spoiling your enjoyment, you know, heaven only knows. Asha, I'm sorry, I'm severely rebuking you here, sir. Do not get in the way of Mary's archers listening. The fact <laughs> that it's taken you 
20 odd years to catch up is not her fault exactly no entirely 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 your problem we're not pleased ashok not pleased exactly you let (sighs) your missus get on and listen to this thing right you catch up in your own time and if she leaves you it's entirely your own fault (laughs) (laughs) she says uh that uh, she reckons this um uh anisha um wanting wanting alistair to uh, get a grip on his equipment could be pushing him into the red the resurgence of gambling mm. i agree though i don't think i don't think we'll revisit that storyline twice we've kind of done gambling there'll be a new social issue alistair will start sexting or something instead <laughs> god help us if alistair starts sexting right we also have lots of emails which i will hurtle through at the speed of not a speed have of you not- been sexted oh yes really <laughs> normally by people i don't want to but anyway (laughs) cosmo uh if you are going into a partnership he's talking about anisha and alistair appropriately enough Mm. it is not like jumping into bed with someone you need to be conscious of the other person as an all-round human being and not just the finances Mm. if your potential partner hands out discounts willy-nilly then the time for discussion is before you sign and pay not after to be fair, she did say that while she was sizing up the business about Joe. Remember, she did actually say that because yeah. he Alistair gave Joe a discount, and she, and she said why, and Alistair said, "Oh, he's a you know a stalwart yeah. of the village." Blah blah blah. But anyway, come. Also, he says when Alistair was fitting out the new surgery following the flood, he would, as businesses do, have had insurance to cover the latest, most up-to-date equipment. So for Anisha to suggest a large proportion of it needs replacing is tantamount to nonsense. She said, oh, they'll replace like for like. But apparently they don't. They replace with the with the most up to date equipment. And can I remind everyone that the practice rents its location from the stables and does not own any property? Jesus. And Anisha might own a horse, but is renting attempted murder, no conviction cottage. Any bank seeing a request for a quarter of a million will want A, a business plan, B, evidence of security, and C, guarantees from the partners that they are each worth 125 grand, which the bank can use to secure the loan. Seriously, not a hope in hell that the bank will increase the overdraft as things stand. Vets do make a lot of money, though. We get lots of annoyed calls now from vets going, well, I've got the arse hanging out of my trousers. I don't know where you got that from. But they do. I've got Mm. some friends who are vets and they are richy rich. Anyway. No, they are. They're they're rolling in lucre, filthy lucre, aren't they? Them vets. Yes. And that's what. It's filthy. And that's what. That's what Paul Room said, remember? He didn't want to be a doctor. That was was a step down for him to be a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Best be a vet. Wanted to mess around with guinea pigs for the rest of his life. Anyway, (laughs) Auntie Jean now. She says she can't make speak pipe work, so she's emailing in. Um, Pip, Pip, you complete and utter buffoon. You had them you scanned. It cost you money, or at least it cost Ruth and David money, so you would know which were carrying singles, twins, or triplets. If you don't think there's another one coming, you need shooting. I am to farming what dear Cosmo is to accounting, she says. Uh, P.S. Never had any doubt the Giddy Jack kidnapping would come to nout. Anyone hear the clippity clip of coconuts as SOC finally <laughs> leaves the office? Plus, he'll be back. Rob, that is, not SOC. Mainly because Helen said he's gone forever. No, he ain't, love. He's simply regrouping in the undergrowth and practising his three-point turns. 
<laughs> we love you, Auntie Jean. That is a rather, rather good call, uh, rather good email from Auntie Jean this week. Well done. And can I just say, Auntie Jean, you're a lovely, wonderful human being. Just saying, she knows the reason why I've said that. Oh no, we, we, she 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 sent me a, a nice little uh, DM. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, Freya. Um. Yes, she's thinking about Henry, and she said the same thing. For months, I've been behaving as if this nasty situation would not just go away. I'm not suggesting we teach a little more on how to spell coercive control or explain what the button girls wrote on Rob's car. But at no point does anyone seem to have sat down with the kid and said, you know what, we're not going to call him daddy anymore. Or, well, the reason he can't live with us anymore is because he's not very well, and that makes him pretty horrible to mummy, and it makes him more unwell if he sees us, so blah, blah, blah. Um... It was too convenient when it seemed like Rob had gone. It was just what the Archer clan wanted because that's what Middle England does. You ignore a nasty situation and it goes away, right? Mm. Uh, So, yes, it would be all too easy to blame the mother or whatever. And that's not what I mean, because obviously Rob is what a professional with a spoon would call in technical terms a mental case. But it has been incredibly (laughs) frustrating listening to Henry's family really ignore his needs by hoping he'll forget everything. I know he's a moron, but they've not given him proper credit. Uh, yes, this is, yes, that was it. And uh, this is Freya, who is um, Academic Archers. Um, So uh, hopefully you will all meet her there, all the people that are going to Academic Archers. Yes. What were you going to say? Um, I've got big love for Freya because... um, she, number one, she did that banner for us to go on the Academic Archers uh, website. Lovely. And then, hey. like me, she's a whiskey drinker. Yeah. And she likes a good map as well. Ah. Mm. However, I couldn't disagree more. Right. Um, now, I think in terms of berating Middle England, right, I suppose that is that is partly my job. And and really, I see you, Lucy, as the embodiment of Middle England. All right. So um, I'm kind of up for that per se. But if you think about this, what has that family been through? Right. This is somewhat uncharted territory. It's not as if Henry's had his first wet dream and then says, Mummy, what is going on? You know, there's a standard kind of protocol of things to go through. We've got his first girlfriend or is about to leave home for the first time. Oh, by the way, the person you think think is your father, I attempted to kill them. And um, in, in a, you know, in um, a, a fit of passion. And by the way, he was raping me. This, you know, it's pretty tricky to be able to sit down and go, right, this is methodically how we're going to do this and how it should be done. I just think... But that's uh, what she said. You explain it in a way a six-year-old would understand. He's not very well. Sometimes he says things that aren't, that he doesn't mean. Um... He thinks, um, you know, he tries to be nice, but sometimes the way he's nice oh, is you know the way... That I lost all of that detail. I retract everything that I've just said. <laughs> Freya, spot on. Spot on, as always. Always agree with you. Well done. Well done. I don't know where my head was at and whatever. I, you know, hmm. Yes. Let, let's, uh, is there another email from another listener there, who's spot there. on the money? <laughs> Lillian McCarthy who said um, that she has received excellent service from the Dumpty Dum shop she has ordered a t-shirt and a mug 
and uh, the T-shirt was the wrong size. The mug, however, was the right size, probably. Uh, and not only did they exchange the goods very happily, um, they said that I didn't have to pay, that she didn't have to pay for any extra charge and would return the other items so that she didn't incur any shipping costs. She thought this was extremely nice. And so do I. And therefore, you should all buy more things from the Dumpty Dum shop. And she is going to the Academic Archers Conference in Lincoln with uh, Freya. And she and will be wearing her new uh, Dumpty Dum T-shirt. Yes. Good. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, well, she says, P.S. On the subject of seeing archers, actors and other things, I have seen Ian in Holby City, Usha in Coronation Street, Will and David in 10 Willington Place. And I'm sure I've heard Mabel, Alan's mother-in-law, doing voiceovers for radio ads. Oh, she's been in a shed load of stuff. Yeah. There aren't that many um, black actresses of that age in the UK. So if you ever need an elderly uh, black woman, she gets trotted out. She's been in a whole load of stuff. Um, anyway, um, right now, can we move on? Yes. All right, smashing super. Um, everybody, uh, it's time for us to um, have a brief sojourn. Uh, but what I want you to do is to listen to this first track. It's all about walkie-talkie. And um, and as you know, uh, Lucy V. Freeman is not only funny, but she's damn insightful when it comes to getting... Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. People to say stuff and uh, getting us to understand them as people. And that's what she demonstrates on Walkie Talkie, the new podcast from one Lucy V. Freeman. Listen to the trail here now. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But uh, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome, yeah. Um, for me... I well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to to win in the end is that for me it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Kiss, mouth, or 
catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, if your dogs get on, you tend to just, you say, which way are you going? Can I come with you? And you just sort of amble along and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one and then in a couple of months time they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them and um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about even if it's not nice and having a dog is a sort of a, a universality really. The people aren't all like me as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. G'day, Millie Bell here, and congratulations to Yoko Bear for an excellent initial uh, report last week. I thought it was excellent, and it is such a different style from mine, so I hope you learn to enjoy both, because I certainly did. Uh, this week on the forum, uh, we've had, uh, it's been a little bit quiet, so I really encourage you to get involved with that forum, but I also want to refer you to the Dumpty Tum website because we also have Tractor, which uh, Royfield and Lucy talk about most weeks, but the statistics, uh, which get posted up monthly, and they make for really fascinating reading. So really encourage you to get involved there. On our Facebook page, unsurprisingly, we were discussing the Dean Nuremon and indeed the finale, or is it, with Rob. The first thing we discussed was whether they should have found the police. There seems to be a real reluctance amongst Archer's characters to call the police. Uh, And the overwhelming agreement was that we should report. Yes, says Catherine Tomlins, Maisie Jett, Becky Black, uh, Louise Norton, but she pointed out it also allows the scriptwriters a chance to bring him back again for more crazed lunacy. Good point. Catherine Tomlins Uh, pointed out that we need to report it uh, to get an evidence trial. Many more in that vein, Fiona Siobhan Powell report, it would be beyond stupid not to. But we've returned to the pre-Rob Helen, who, if you remember, was self-centred, self-serving, self-absorbed and quite stupid. 
the moment I heard her talking to Kirsty and during the bird watching walk, I thought, yep, here is the old Helen we knew and groaned at. Uh, Diane Telford says, reported to the buzz. I didn't even know we still called it that. That's awesome. Ellen Hughes report, Melanie Matthews report. So overwhelming uh, confirmation that we sh- they should have reported. And I must admit, I was just standing there thinking, they've got to report it, surely, just in case anything else happens in the future. But hey, I don't live in Ambridge. The other thing that we discussed at length was whether Rob seemed, uh, I felt in the uh, final scene that just Rob seemed to capitulate too quickly. Once Helen started to get all bossy, um, he just kind of capitulated. Uh, then Fuller Love pointed out that they only have 13 minutes an episode, which is a good point. Uh, Candida Beeching um, says, why do none of the Brookfield archers ever call the police? Helen should have done that first. P.S. Rob is not gone. There you go. There's a prediction from Candida. Uh, Becky Black said, yes, figured he could get away and have another try later. Rachel Kennedy, possibly, but don't spoil it by making me worry again. So sorry, Rachel, that wasn't our intention. Uh, Nancy Dickey, maybe he realised that if he didn't give in, especially with witnesses, he will never get to see Giddy Jack again. Not that he should anyway, but this way he has scope to persuade her in time. And uh, Karen uh, Valerie Hodgson says, yes, and if Helen keeps up her reluctance to report any of this to the police, he will continue to think that he can get away with it. He will not give up, as Carla said. He will keep persisting until Helen gets her head out of the sand and approaches the police. I truly cannot believe that she hasn't done this as a matter of urgency. Uh, So much more that we talked about on uh, our Facebook page because it was such a big week. Also want to point you towards the uh, Radio 4 Archers website, which posted up a live Facebook discussion with Tim Watson, which was so, Timothy Watson, it was so good and uh, gave some really insights into the actor and the character. So uh, if you get onto our Facebook page, we've put a link there. So another <laughs> amazingly uh, drama-filled week on The Archers and uh, you certainly got involved in our robust discussion. So thank you to everyone. Please don't forget dumptydum.com forward slash forum to get involved on the website and look for us on the facebook page you know we do both yoga bear and i do love to interact with you all so hopefully i will see you there soon good to have you back mealy bell how do you think it's going lucy with this uh her and uh yoga bear doing the swapsies i like it who's your favorite Oh, God, I don't know. I can't say that. Good to have you back, Millie Bell. No, but I like the fact that poor Millie Bell's having a break every now and again, because I know what it's like when you kind of think, oh, God, I've got to do it again. You know, it's sort of the week goes by very quickly. No, no, that is true. That is absolutely true. Uh, Lucy Freeman, why don't you hit us with some tweets of the last 10 days? Now, considering there's been 68 gabillion, uh, I don't know how you weeded through this. But, um... Well, I, I kind of didn't, and there's loads of them. I'll do them quick. Gilliver Road. Mm. I find it difficult to imagine that Rob Titchener didn't have a plan post-baby napping. Is he a Brexiter? <laughs> <laughs> Claire Asprey. The Fallen Branch is my new favourite character. Mrs Trellis. Henry, where's Jack? Okay, 
No, Henry, listen, where is he? Okay, use words, you little bastard, use words. Okay. Anyway, um, Neil Jeffrey, who is uh, sublimely windy, when uh, Rob was talking to Henry through the hedge, he just put, listen very carefully, I shall say this only once. <laughs> Which is another 80s throwback. Uh, Susan Small adds, Crucifix is made from the branch that came down in the lane by Sawyer's Farm are now available from the counter. Sally Annerly, can anyone please help with my crossword clue? Unbelievably fucking gullible, three letters, P blank P. <laughs> Jane Walker, why hasn't the person on playground duty wondered why Henry is talking to the hedge? <laughs> and Ben Johnson, tweet of the week. And in tomorrow's episode, Anisha persuades Alistair to invest in the set of balls Shula has always dreamed of. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh dear. You're all very funny. In fact, you should all be doing this podcast, not us. But anyway, there we go. Well, I'm not You're funny. I, I, I don't claim to be funny. You're the funny person. Well, they should all be doing it instead of me, then. No. Right, chop, chop. Do you know what? We're on one minute, one hour, 22 minutes already. Yeah, but there's going to be some choppage out of that yeah. because we were chatting at the start, weren't we? For quite oh, some yeah. time, actually. Yeah. Mm, there yeah. you go. There's some choppage. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, right. End of the show time. Okay, <laughs> right. Dumdydum.com, go there. Uh, go there. It's got a shop. It's awesome like that. And um, it also has a forum which needs a little bit of love. Because uh, Millie Bell and Yoko Bear are doing a sterling job on on the Book of Face that I think uh, our poor forum is somewhat suffering. And uh, the reason why you have a forum is because there are some people kind of like Lucy that aren't on the Book of Face. So there are some listeners that um, are conscientious objectors to uh, the world of Mark Zuckerberg. And, and this gives them an outlet to talk about stuff. And also uh, the threads and on there are kind of driven by you, the listeners. So go on to the forum. Um, it's kind of occurred to me, Lucy, mm. that we have not really explained the reason why we have a John the First and a John the Seventh. No, but let's not do it now, eh? Let's not pick the longest show for about uh, six months. That, that's a very that. good point. So tune in next week and we'll explain <laughs> the reason why <laughs> we have caller inners that call themselves uh, Johns and then give themselves uh, a Roman numeral afterwards. Uh, so that's, that's stunning. There you go. Tune in next <laughs> As week. If it wasn't that. obvious, but <laughs> if you have to have it explained. <laughs> um <laughs> We need your help, folks, in a couple of ways. We generally ask your help. First off, iTunes reviews. Um, please go on to iTunes if you haven't reviewed us before. You don't need to have an Apple device. You don't need to have an iTunes account to go and do a review. Um, please go and do it. Please review us. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, but if you can kind of like figure it out, um, go and review us. Whack us with as many stars as you want, as you think we deserve. Uh, you don't even have to write a review. You can just star rate us. But if you would write us a review, that'd be awesome. Every now and then we could be kind of read them out because um, that's really important for us getting up those iTunes charts. Uh, the other way you can help us is by going on to patreon.com and you can uh, sign up to donate two dollars per show. Um, 
If you don't want to do that, you can go onto our website, www.dumdum.com, and hit the donate button. And you can give us as much money as you want, <laughs> as frequently as your bank balance will allow you to. Little and often, chaps. Little and often. That's what well, we actually you know, know what? a lot and often. Yes. There's, there's, uh, we've got a lot of vets, and we, we said they're rolling around in filthy loot. Yeah. If you're a vet, right... And- Flushed a joint recently. <laughs> Go on to dumdydum.com, get your black Amex card out and hit that donate button. Uh, right. Uh, this show needs you to contribute to it because otherwise it's just two middle-aged duffers chatting into their microphones over Skype and uh, it'd be somewhat the, the lesser for it, really. Uh, now, to do that, you can call us on um, Speakpipe, or which you can kind of get that by going on to dumdydum.com, or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message, as, as um, Connie Stephen does. You know, she she never speak pipes in. Um, on social media, specifically Twitter, you can find us where we're at, dumdydumme. I'm Royfield, R-O-I. And... What? <laughs> R O I F I E L D and and Harriet. I'm at Lucy and Harriet is at Shambles. <laughs> um, completely forgot. Uh, we are trailing the academic archers, but this is written in red. Oh. Uh, yes, there's still time for you to book up for the Academic Archers, 17th to the 19th of February 2017 at the University of Lincoln. And if you go to that and you're a dumdy dummer, you've got to wear your t-shirt. Uh, we yep. want to see we want to see selfies with dumdy dummers at the academic archers at the University of Lincoln in their swag and clobber. Oh, mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And to end up, if you're not convinced that Rob really has gone, here is something that could change your mind. Lisa Hamilton has found him disguised as Nelson at Greenwich Museum. Have a listen. 